And so friends, we have two scripture lessons this morning. The first is from Psalm 119, beginning at verse 105. With hearts and minds that are open and receptive, let us hear God's word for us this day. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to observe your righteous ordinances, but I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your ordinances. I hold my life in my hands continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your decrees are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. And from the gospel according to Matthew, the 13th chapter, beginning at verse 1, a parable that Jesus tells. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty and in another 30. This is the word of the Lord. And let us pray. How grateful we are, loving God, for this, your word to us today.
amidst the, the noise, the shouting, the, the honking, all that comes at us nonstop each day, each moment. We're grateful for these moments in your presence to slow down and to be still and to be quiet and to listen for you. And to that end, O oh Lord, we pray that you'll continue to speak to us in the remaining moments of this sermon, including in this message, that in these words we might hear in some new way your word and receive it and be transformed. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the most memorable moments of my childhood growing up here in Basking Ridge was the summer we got a swimming pool. I was about 10 years old and about as thrilled as a 10-year-old could possibly be. My four siblings and I watched in excitement as the backhoes dug the hole and the workers created the framework of the pool out of metal rods and then poured the concrete. They laid a perimeter, a, a walkway around the perimeter, installed the diving board, the stairs, the other final steps. I was in awe, peering out the window of what they did in those weeks. And when they were done, and this brand new glistening pool was filled with water and ready to be enjoyed, the extensive landscaping all around the pool still needed to happen. Ruts from the vehicles needed to be repaired, soil needed to be properly graded, shrubs planted, seed put down and watered. It would have taken a team of professional, professionals a number of days. But back then, everyone we knew did their own yard work. We mowed our yard, we trimmed our own trees, we weeded our own garden. And so my dad on that fateful day gathered us all outside and he said, guys, this summer we have a project. We're going to finish the job that the pool guys started. And so each Saturday and Sunday, that's exactly what we did. And in the hard work that none of us enjoyed one bit and we still reflect on and joke about when we get together, one of my jobs among many was to lay the grass seed. My dad bought a large bag of grass seed from Sears and he said, Dennis, this bag needs to last for this entire project. Good seed is expensive and I don't wanna waste any money. So be careful, be intentional. Don't be sloppy or excessive or reckless in the way that you spread it. <laughs> and being closely supervised by my father each step of the way, that's exactly what I did. And every time since then that I've had to purchase and spread grass seed, his words echo in my mind. Good seed is expensive. Don't waste money. Be careful, be intentional. Don't be sloppy or excessive or reckless in the way that you spread it. 
And when I read Jesus' story from Matthew about a sower sowing seed, I think of how careful and controlled and conservative I am in the way that I spread seed. Not to waste any, not to waste the resources that are used to purchase the seed. And I'm struck by the great contrast between my approach and the approach of the sower in this morning's story. What do you make this morning of the story of a sower who throws seed everywhere, even in the most unlikely and unproductive of places? Besides it reflecting a questionable business model for anyone trying to be a productive farmer, what sort of worldview is suggested by someone who throws seeds on a well-worn path where birds can eat them on rocky ground where it is unlikely that they will grow or among thorns that will choke them? My father and I would say, what foolishness. What wasteful use of seed and time and energy on the part of the sower. The smart place the logical place, the responsible place to sow seed is on good soil, receptive soil, fertile soil. Most of us pretty quickly understand the wisdom of planting seed in good soil and can even extend that principle to our own situations. If you want to open up a coffee shop, don't do it next door to a well-established Starbucks. If a church is considering some new initiative or ministry, think strategically about who your target audience is and, and uh, when you should offer the new program in order to maximize your chance of success. Whatever you're undertaking, deploy your resources in such a way that it will likely get you the best possible result. Find the good soil and throw seed on it, it's just good business. And so it seems that the sower in this story is anything but a good business person. He seems willing to just fling the seed anywhere. And why does he do this? Maybe it's to remind us that the gospel is bigger than good business principles. It's bigger than just good soil. Perhaps the, so the sower is inclined to just fling the seed anywhere because in so doing, it reminds us that in the final analysis, the arena of God's love and God's redemptive activity is not contained or limited. This sower throws seeds not only on good soil, but also amidst the rocky, barren, and broken places in order to remind us that God's vision for the world and God's love for each one of us is often discovered and experienced in the unexpected and in the broken places and the broken moments. The point I'm getting at in the spiritual lesson that is at the heart of this parable is that Almighty God is an extravagant giver of grace. In three of the four settings in which the sower sows seed, things don't go well. When the seed tossed on the path, on the rocky ground, or amidst the thorns, 
things do not go well. On the path, the birds come and eat the seed. On the rocky ground, the roots are shallow and the sun scorches the plants and kills it. Among the thorns, the thorns choke it. Only that seed that falls on the good soil brings forth grain. But the key to understanding what Jesus is ultimately getting at is that this parable is not ultimately about the various types of soil. It's about the one doing the planting. It's about the sower. It's about God. The one who, regardless of the various types of soils and conditions, keeps spreading the seed anyway, keeps spreading it everywhere. Not everyone is open to receiving God's love. Not everyone is open to hearing God's word. In this story, at least in three quarters of the encounters, it does not go well. But that does not stop God. Though when God's love is revealed, when God's word is heard and it truly takes root and grows and bears fruit, look at the yield. 30 or 60 or sometimes even 100 fold. There's wild inefficiency with which the sower sows the seeds. He just throws them out there everywhere. And I think of the time Jesus extended forgiveness to the woman caught in the act of adultery. Everyone else wanted that shame-filled encounter to be the defining moment in her life, but he would not let that happen. I think of the tax collector, Zacchaeus, short of stature, mocked and ridiculed by others in his community, viewed as a taker, not a giver. Jesus extends honor and love to him by inviting himself to Zacchaeus' house to have a meal. I think of how Jesus selected those first 12 disciples to serve alongside him and to establish the church and to be bearers of the gospel once he was gone. We know the story so well, we almost miss how radical and gracious his approach was in recruiting them. There was no logical, no rational reason in the world to choose the, <clears throat> the 12 flawed and very human people that he chose. It was an expression of his graciousness and love for all people, even very imperfect ones like all of us, not an indication of particular strengths or special experiences which they brought. And what this parable reminds us of is that Jesus calls us in our lives to reflect a similar kind of sacred recklessness and generosity in our ministry of building the kingdom of God here on earth, Jesus invites us to sow seeds wildly, never knowing for sure where they will take root or produce growth. There is a promise that there will be a harvest, for it is in God's good and faithful hands, not ours. It is in God's control. We may meet someone and assume what kind of soil they are, how receptive they are to the word of God, what it is that God may have in store for their life. 
Yet we don't know. We may think we do, but we don't. Oftentimes we have to wait and see. We don't know what kind of soil the human heart is. And ultimately, that is, this is not a parable about how one is to locate the good soil. Some of us wish that it was. We view it as a vegetarian version of the parable of the sheep and the goats. But it's not a parable about how one is to determine the good soil from the not-so-good soil. It's about how generous and extravagant the sower is in sowing seed regardless of the conditions. Some of you might remember a story that Fred Craddock told some years ago about the time he got a phone call from a woman whose father had died. She'd been a teenager in one of the churches that he had served as pastor 20 years before, and he would have sworn that if there was ever a person who never heard a word he said, that teenage girl was the one. She was always giggling with her friends up in the balcony, passing notes to boys, drawing pictures on the church bulletin. But when her father died, she looked up her old pastor, the Reverend Fred Craddock, and gave him a call. I don't know if you remember me, she started. Oh, yes, he remembered. When my daddy died, I thought I was going to come apart, she continued. I cried and cried and cried. I didn't know what to do. But then I remembered something you said in one of your sermons. And Fred Craddock was stunned. She had remembered something that he had said in one of his sermons. It was proof enough to him that you can never tell how the seed will fall or where it might take root. And so I wonder what Jesus is saying to you today through this parable. What I hear Jesus saying most loudly is this, I am an extravagant and reckless sower of grace. I scatter the seed of my love, my forgiveness, my invitation in the most unlikely of places because I alone can know where the good soil lies. That approach is a reflection of my character, my perspective, my practices. It's at the heart of my story. And Jesus says, I invite you in your life, your ministry, to exhibit that same kind of extravagance and recklessness in the way that you love, in the way that you serve, in the way that you bear witness to me and my call upon your life. Dear friends, may that be your story, and may it be mine. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.